The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Mike Trout, Cody Bellinger, Corey Seager, Adalberto Mondesi, Luis Robert, George Springer, both Martes, the list goes on and on, of early to mid-round hitters who are currently on the injured list. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on Wednesday, May 19th. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White. A lot to talk about. Every day there's a lot to talk about, but even more today than ever before. Full slate of action. Of course, Mike Trout is out six to eight weeks, so we'll react to that. We have rankings risers, interesting waiver ads, buy low or heck no. Blake Snell finally went six innings. Spencer Turnbull currently has a, well, he's not through seven yet, but he has a no-hitter in the seventh innings. You know, it's just another night in baseball. Uh, But before we get to those Tuesday standouts, Scott... Let's start with Mike Trout, man, who was a bona fide first round pick still. You know, some people trying to push him down the board because he doesn't steal bases in Roto anymore, but he <laughs> has a right calf strain. He is out six yeah. to eight weeks, which long time. I think basically brings us to right after the All-Star break in mid-July. Yeah. I don't know that it makes sense to rush him back before that. Calf strains can be very tricky. Obviously, you know, we're not dropping him because you could still get two and a half months out of him over the uh, the final part of the season there. So what do you think happens now with uh, the Los Angeles Angels? We spoke about yesterday. We didn't think, um, I didn't think any of their prospects would be called up soon, but it might have to happen now. So uh, your reaction to Mike Trout? Where I, I saw today that he was worried that he ruptured his Achilles tendon. So obviously <laughs> it's not bad news as far as that goes but it, it's it's a long absence i've moved mike trout down to down, down outside the top 15 and in, in my outfield rankings rest of season which might actually be kind of high considering we're talking about him missing roughly a quarter of the season but it's just it's just so hard you, you just really can't replace a back a bat that's that impactful particularly this season particularly at that position so um you know still has a lot of value even in redraft leagues but yeah, you're going to be without him for a while, probably till the second half, as you said. And um, and that stinks. It's going to be hard to replace him. I, you, you know, you talked about how coming into the season, Trout was uh, kind of getting pushed down further than ever to the middle of the first round. But once again, he, he with his performance, like made us all say, why did we ever doubt him? Because he was better than where he was drafted. He was still as dominant as as he always is. Um, so, 
Yeah, what the Angels do, I, I, I don't know. The guy who got the start in right field today was not Josh Rojas, but the other one, Jose Rojas, the other Rojas, the other Jay Rojas in our lives. And uh, he's batting 190 on the year with an OPS of just over 600. So don't think that's going to work in the long run. We talked yesterday about how it doesn't look like just from their strikeout rates that Joe Adele or Brandon Marsh is ready. And I would agree with that. But the Angels may have no choice but to call one of them up and, and just, hope they, just hope they figure it out on the fly. So I, Joe Adele... I already had him as one of the top five prospects that need to be stashed in redraft leagues. I think, I think that's even more the case now. But at the same time, I'm, I'm limiting my expectations for what he's going to do. Yeah, I stand by what I said yesterday. I don't think that they should rush them. Joe Adele coming into uh, Tuesday had a 40% strikeout rate and Brandon Marsh had eight strikeouts in five games and he was just recently coming back from a shoulder injury as well. So, uh, look, if I had to take a, take a guess, I actually think Brandon Marsh might get here before Joe Adele, just because the way that Adele is striking out. But I, I really don't think that any of them should be rushed to the, to the majors here. Uh, some potential outfield replacements. We talk about these players quite a bit. We spoke about both of them on yesterday's podcast. But three that are rostered in less than 70% of CBS leagues. Willie Calhoun now has outfield eligibility. He has actually had outfield eligibility on CBS for quite some time now. Robbie Grossman, who does a little bit of everything, has a very high OBP, uh, and Tyler Naquin, who continues to play for the Reds as long as Joey Votto is out, and maybe even beyond that as well. So, Scott, how would you rank those three if you're just looking for a replacement? Not that Trout is replaceable, obviously, but uh, between Calhoun, Grossman, and Naquin. I'd rank them like that. Calhoun, Grossman, and Naquin. Calhoun is the one of the three who's going to provide a speed element, but I think the the power is most questionable with him. He gets on base a lot. He's, he's always gotten on base a lot, so in points leagues, that elevates him a little. Obviously, the steals elevate him a little in, in categories leagues. So uh, he, he has the look of a handy player. We've just never seen Grossman keep it up for a full season before. Uh, and Willie Calhoun, I think, yeah. We've, we've talked a lot how about how he's being overlooked and former big-time prospect himself, doesn't strike out much, and uh, he's looked really good so far since since coming back from the I.L. I just pulled up the Salt Lake Bees box score from Tuesday. That is the AAA affiliate for the Los Angeles Angels. Brandon Marsh went two for five with a double and two-run score. Struck out once again. Uh, Joe Adele went three for five with three singles and an RBI. Zero strikeouts, so both had a nice <laughs> game there. Uh, progress, progress for Joe Adele. No strikeouts, so... One of those guys could be coming soon for the Angels. Scott, if you're in a deeper league and, and those names are not available that we mentioned, Calhoun, Grossman, Naquin, a few that I saw rostered in 30% or less of CBS leagues, Hunter Renfro, Harrison Bader, and Josh Naylor. How would you rank those three if you're in a deeper league? Harrison Bader's kind of interesting. His strikeout rate is way down and his expected stats look strong and he has an element of speed himself. So I... I'd probably take a flyer on him just to see if he can keep it going in a deeper league. I have my doubts looking at his track record, but if he's going to put the bat on the ball more, it makes a big difference. Yeah. He's played 16 games uh, so far this season. 283 batting average, four home runs, two steals. Does a little bit of everything. So, Especially in a roto league, Harrison Bader, widely available if you need an outfielder in those deeper formats. We got an email question from Greg, and he asked... It doesn't really have to do with the injury, but it has to do with Mike Trout. So I thought it was interesting. 
do I trade Shohei Otani, who hit his 14th home run of the season on Tuesday, for Mike Trout in a three-year keeper league? Draft picks are not affected by keepers. It's an ESPN league where I can get maximum maximum value out of Otani as a single player and use him as both a hitter in games he hits and as a pitcher in games he pitches. So this is something that people have pointed out to me on ESPN. Even if you have Otani starting in your utility spot in eight points league, you get his fantasy points as a pitcher, which is just absolutely insane. So, Yeah, I, I mean, I wonder... If that's the way it should be, it was it was like moving mountains to get Otani established as he is on CBS right now, mm-hmm. uh, where a single player that you could start either as a pitcher or hitter, and you you know get get just that production wherever you started him. That was a big programming hurdle. <laughs> so I I don't know, I don't know if anyone's going to go for anything different now, but I do think that to really get the full value of Otani as a player. that That's the proper way to do it. And maybe that makes him the most valuable player in fantasy. So be it, if that's the case. He wouldn't have been until this year, it's worth pointing out. But I, I certainly understand the argument for that. And I, I think if Otani has the potential to be that valuable in the league, the emailers in, then, I don't know, probably not. Probably want to trade Otani for Trout in that situation. Oh, man. It just, it sounds crazy to say, but I agree with you, right? Like, the way Otani's playing, he's basically in the prime of his career. He's taking the league by storm now. I assume people are going to adjust to him. I don't, look, you, you throw more breaking pitches. I guess that's what you do, because even if you throw him fastballs that are, like, you know, letter high, he's still smacking them out of the stadium. So, uh, it's interesting. Um, but, yeah, Otani, in a league where you can get both stats, Keep him over Mike Trout for the next three years. If you're watching us on YouTube, thank you for being here so late. We are uh, It's past midnight here on the East Coast. Why are we matching, Scott? We didn't even plan this, dude. Like We're both wearing gray polos. We we got like yeah. a bit of a comb-over thing going on. I kind of feel like we're like Night at the Roxbury-esque right now. We're, we're like the Fantasy Butabi brothers. I don't know. <laughs> I, I wore gray because I was in mourning because Mike Trout's hurt. Uh, well, yeah, that's fair. I don't know why you did it. I well, I had a CBS Sports HQ hit, Scott, because you know I'm big time. Oh, apparently, you tried to class it up. <laughs> I had to class it up. Um, have you ever seen Night at the Roxbury, Scott? I haven't. No, but you know, I'm familiar with it nonetheless. All right. I mean, look, I haven't. There are a million movies I haven't seen, Scott. But Night at the Roxbury. Come on, man. <laughs> you act. You act like this is some sort of like. Uh, Crowning achievement of American cinema or no, something. I, mean, I, don't, I don't think that's the case. It's like a cult comedy classic, man. That, that's okay. your homework assignment for the weekend. You, you watch that and I'll watch, I don't know, you choose a movie for me to watch and I'll watch it as well. <laughs> but uh, all right, let's get into some of the standouts from, uh, from Tuesday. Oh my good, goodness gracious. All right, Scott. Talk about the man that's on everyone's mind right now. Well, I wanted to do like a stop the presses moment because Blake Snell had gone six innings for the first time since July of 2019. But since you kind of you spilled the beans there already at the top, can't be nearly as dramatic about it. For what it's worth, they took him out right after he completed that sixth inning. But yeah, good start for, against the Rockies, 11 strikeouts. We'll, we'll get into Snell later, I'm sure. But um, my oh my goodness gracious player of the day is Luis Castillo who did some oh-my-goodness-gracious sort of things in his loss to the Giants. It, it was a loss. 
And in that loss, he allowed nine base runners in five innings. He allowed three earned runs in five innings. So the ERA and the whip were both bad in this loss. But Luis Castillo struck out 11 in those five innings. Luis Castillo had 21 swinging strikes. Luis Castillo's average fastball was 97.7 miles per hour, one and a half higher than his season average, and, and really more like we've seen from Castillo in past years. He, de- he himself described this start as not just a step forward, but three steps forward. Uh, the changeup, which you'll remember in his last start, it looked like he was losing faith in it. He, he didn't throw it much at all. It was his most thrown pitch. It was responsible for eight of the 21 swinging strikes. His slider was responsible for nine, so I don't know where that came from, but pretty much everything was on for him. He just had a few too many walks and served up a three-run homer. This may have been the best-case scenario for Castillo, for the way Castillo gets back on track because the net effect of the start is, is, is negative for fantasy, right? So if you sat him because you were scared to start him, you were justified in doing so. Also, you still have a chance to buy low because this start was not good for the person who did start Castillo, for the, for the person uh, you know, who maybe not what doesn't dig deep into the numbers and, and just sees oh, another loss, another high ERA, another high whip. I, I think Castillo's back on track. I, Tuesday is usually my big rankings audit day, and so I was auditing the rankings earlier today. And before this start, I had moved Castillo down to 34th in my starting pitcher rankings. After this start, I moved him up to 25th. Why not all the way up to 15th or whatever? Well, it is just one start. So let's see if he continues with you. I, I don't feel like you should be re- have that big of a reaction to a start either way, good or bad. But this is exactly what you want to see from Castillo, exactly what getting on back on track looks like. And uh, suddenly much more confident in him going forward. Yep. And I think you, know, you hit on everything there. This is what we needed to see. We needed to see something positive. And of course, the 11 strikeouts, 21 swinging strikes, both season highs for him. Uh, the changeup looked much better. He did give up the three-run home run to Alex Dickerson on the changeup. He he, uh, the catcher wanted it down our way. It kind of leaked over the middle of the plate. But outside of that, I mean, he pretty much looked like Luis Castillo. So uh, if you can continue to buy low, it's something that you should be doing. Oh my goodness gracious for me on Tuesday, Miguel no triple dong. Looks like the man might be getting hot. However, coming into this game, he was batting 141 with a 37% strikeout rate and a 29% infield fly ball rate. Those are automatic mm-hmm. outs. He is 52% rostered. Scott, how much should we react to this big game for Snow? Because we know that he is capable of getting hot and, and carrying fantasy teams. Well, I think it's important to consider and, and to remind yourself just how high the upside is for Snow. Like, he was regarded not too long ago as being one of maybe five players who's capable of a 50 homer outcome. You just project out his numbers from 2019, 34 homers in 105 games. He's there, right? So massive power potential for Miguel Sano as much as anyone else in baseball. But with all the strikeouts and just with all the inconsistencies, he's so high variance that, I mean... <laughs> gonna drive you nuts like I 
offense being so hard to find this year, I, I'm sure most people listening have several holes they could fill, at least if, if we're talking about a standard roto lineup with all those openings. Um, and him being so widely available, Sano, like I kind of feel like you have to pick him up just to see if if this starts something for him. But the experience could be very frustrating because you could miss out if if you play this game where you're you're moving him in and out of the lineup based on how he's performing lately, mm-hmm. you could end up missing out on all the good times. Yep. So it's that that's just the plight of the high variance player. It's why I generally don't like rostering them, but you're getting Sano for free if you're in one of the 45% of leagues where he's available. So it's just worth keeping in mind um, what his upside is. Mm-hmm. You mentioned he's widely available. He's 52% rostered. Scott, would you drop somebody like... Would you drop Tom Smith for McGill Sano? I don't believe I would, no. Would you drop Jamer Candelario, who is rostered in more leagues than Sano? I could maybe do that. I could maybe do that. I guess it depends on how much I'm depending on Candelario already. If he's just kind of a guy hanging out, hanging out, hanging out on my bench, then I think that's easier to do uh, than if I'm passing. I'm forfeiting this starter to take the chance on Sano. Would you drop last one, Ryan Mountcastle for Miguel Sano? Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't see a lot of reason to remain optimistic about Mountcastle right now. Yeah, Mountcastle just swinging and missing so much. It wasn't really a huge issue for him in the minors, but swinging strike rate among the highest in the league. Uh, strikeout rate over 30% this year for Ryan Mountcastle. So, so no, he's going to be frustrating. He uh, is someone, if you have in a head-to-head league, man, it's that's probably the worst format to have him. But in Roto, you pick him up and throw him in there and... By the end of the season, or while, while ever he, uh, however long he's healthy, he's, he's probably just going to give you a bunch of home runs. So, Miguel Sano looks like he's heating up for the Minnesota Twins. The NBA play-in games have already started. Join the Early Edge podcast every single day for the best bets, props, and future bets for this year's postseason. Jonathan Coachman, Mike McClure, and Larry Hartstein won't lead you astray as they bring the best bets to your feed every morning in 15 minutes or less. You can find the Early Edge on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and even live on YouTube. Some news and notes from Wednesday. Christian Yelich returned on Tuesday. I just said news and notes from Wednesday. Uh, but these are news items that happened on, on Tuesday. Um, mm-hmm. Christian Yelich returned as the designated hitter for the Milwaukee Brewers. And I'm trying to stall here because I want to fin- uh, figure out what his final line was. He went 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. So, okay. They, have a, they had a designated hitter because they were in Kansas City. So, still not playing the field yet. And I still think they rushed him back. Jacob deGrom mm-hmm. felt good following a bullpen session on Tuesday, but the Mets wouldn't commit to activating him off the IL when first eligible this Friday. Cody Bellinger is scheduled to join AAA Oklahoma City for a rehab assignment starting this weekend. Fernando Tatis could return from the COVID IL on Wednesday. Luke Weaver was placed on the IL with shoulder discomfort. Corbin Martin was rec- recalled and started Tuesday against the Dodgers. Martin was the main piece that uh, in the Zach Greinke trade back in 2019. More on him a little bit later on. Got some interesting starting pitcher ads. Uh, maybe was he was he the main piece though? Uh, well, it was they're him. All, they're all pretty equivalent. Him, Seth Beer, and Josh Rojas, and there Josh was one Rojas. more. Yeah, there was someone else. I kind of yeah. felt like he was the main piece. Oh, well, he was one of the main pieces. Uh, he had Tommy John surgery back oh, in. I, 2019. I think it was Bukaskis. 
Uh, yeah, I think you might be right there. Tyler O'Neill was placed on the aisle with a fractured left middle finger. Glaber Torres is joining the Yankees and could start on Wednesday. Andres Jimenez was demoted to AAA. Ahmed Rosario has started six of the last seven games for Cleveland. Sixto Sanchez increases throwing to 120 feet off of flat ground. He remains at least a month away. Stalling Marte resumed hitting off of a pitching machine. Mid-June seems like a realistic timetable for Marte. Eliezer Hernandez began a rehab assignment on Tuesday. He is 40% rostered. And Scott, we got an email from Ryan. He asked, how would you rank these IL stashes between Noah Syndergaard, Carlos Carrasco, Framber Valdez, Tony Gonsolin, Luis Severino, and Eliezer Hernandez? People love the IL stash rankings, (laughs) Frank. They love them. They do. Carlos Carrasco, I'm putting Noah Syndergaard next since he's basically beginning rehab assignment at the same point as uh, Fromper Valdez. Uh, you know what? Has Gonsolin begun his rehab assignment yet? I saw that he was moved to the 60-day IL, which means he yeah. can't return yeah. until okay. I think late May at the earliest. All right, so I'm going Carlos Carrasco, Noah Syndergaard, Fromper Valdez, Tony Gonsolin, Luis Severino, and then Eliezer Hernandez. Last and honestly, the fact Hernandez is coming back sooner actually makes it harder to justify ranking him uh, higher because now you can't stash him in an IL spot. He's got to deliver right away, and I'm the least confident. He's the one that of this group is clearly I'm the least confident in him delivering right away. Kevin Pilar landed on the IL with multiple facial fractures after getting hit by a pitch in the face on Monday. So. Uh, yeah, it was it was a rough scene, man. I saw the the aftermath. The guy it looked like he was in a boxing match, so uh, it was rough there. Kevin Pillar, get well soon, buddy. Cameron Mabin was acquired by the Mets as a result. Anthony Rizzo left Tuesday's game with a tight lower back. Gary Sanchez left with a hamstring cramp is what I heard while I was listening to the Yankee game. Uh, Taiwan Walker's MRI came back clean after he left Monday's start with left side tightness. Didi Gregorius was placed on the aisle with a right elbow impingement. Michael Pineda was scratched from his start Tuesday as he had a procedure to remove an abscess from his thigh. He could resume throwing on Thursday. Carlos Martinez could return for the Cardinals this weekend or early next week. Nick Senzel was absent from Tuesday's lineup with a sore knee. Scott, you mentioned that you updated your rankings on Tuesday, so let's talk about a few of these players that are rising in the ranks and what we think about them overall rest of season. And we got to start with, man, we haven't talked about him since he returned, but the guy just continues to mash. Mm. Mm. The jazz man, jazz Chisholm went two for five with his fifth home run of the season. And it came off of Jose Alvarado. I thought this was a really cool stat from at Andrew Simon MLB on Twitter. There have been two home runs hit on pitches at least 100 miles per hour this season. Both were hit by jazz Chisholm. One was off of Alvarado, and if you remember, the other one was off of Jacob deGrom earlier in the season. So, Scott, I didn't even... This is... I find this very interesting whenever we do this. Uh-huh. I updated my ranks as well, and I moved Jazz Chisholm up to eighth at second base. Exact uh-huh. exact same spot that you moved him up to. Jazz Chisholm, now a bona fide top 10 second baseman. Yeah, I think I already had him there, to be honest. Oh, all right. When, when, when word of his return was uh, was spreading... And uh, yeah, I think, look, I still have some doubts about Jazz Chisholm. He's striking out over 30% of the time. That's generally not a formula for success in the majors, but, um, you know, obviously making very high quality contact and 
I do think he's going to continue stealing bases at a high rate, unlike, you know, I don't feel like I can assume that for Marcus Simeon, who we talked about yesterday. So uh, I actually have Chisholm one spot ahead of Simeon in my Roto rankings, at least. I think it's reversed in, in points leagues. But yeah, I mean, I'm excited to get Chisholm back in my lineup. We'll see. We'll see if he can keep it going. And Jazz is 84% rostered. I don't know what those 16% of leagues are. Maybe they're like six or eight team leagues, but get Jazz Chisholm on your team if he is available anywhere. Uh, the second base position, it's been mostly bad uh, up at the top. Whit Merrifield, he, he's really slowed down, though the overall numbers are still really good, so you can't complain. Uh, Albies has come around. Jose Altuve has been solid all year. Max Muncie is having a big May. Uh, Cattell Marte is out on a rehab assignment. We spoke about Semyon recently. Uh, he is red hot in the month of May. And then once you get past Jazz Chisholm, it's Brandon Lau has been pretty bad so far this year. Tommy Edmond has been okay. Uh, Kevin Piggio has yeah. been awful. Jeff McNeil is on the IL. So uh, I actually moved Edmond into my top 10 at second base just because... Yeah, I have him, I have really- him at 10. He's, he's just solid. He's, he's not great, but he's... A uh, someone that just well, it doesn't strike out much for points leagues, and then right. of course he contributes stolen bases, and he's very versatile. But yeah, the the trio I have trouble with every time I update my rankings is Kevin Biggio, Brandon Lau, Jeff McNeil. How far am I going to move him down this week? McNeil on the IL now, um, that allowed me to move him down a little further. But yeah, I I struggle with that right now. I think I have him still ahead of Nick Solak and Ryan McMahon. I don't feel great about that, but I don't feel comfortable just burying them either because, I mean, we know how hot Brandon Lau can get. And uh, Biggio, just a just a, a unique and useful skill set when he's going well. Zach Wheeler against the Marlins on Tuesday. Seven innings pitched, one unearned run, 10 strikeouts to zero walks. Of course, comes against the Marlins, though, so take it with a grain of salt, but Wheeler has been great regardless. He had 17 swinging strikes in this game on 92 pitches, down to a 2.52 ERA, a 0.99 whip, and he has gone six-plus innings in seven of nine starts. I wrote that you can make the argument that he deserves to be SP15, just behind uh, Jack Flaherty, Walker Bueller, Clayton Kershaw. That's for me, at least. Uh, and I noticed that you moved them up to SP16, Scott. So, oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Zach Wheeler, man. Oh my He's, goodness gracious! He was, yeah. Zach Wheeler was kind of, he was disrespected. I feel like in in drafts just because he was boring, right? Like, you know, people. All right. Oh, I don't want to. You know, well, he's boring. Whatever. Yeah, so he kind of like slipped uh, down draft boards, but he's been fantastic. He has been fantastic. It it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about whether we should be worried about him, though. Just to. To tell you how uh, quickly things can change. But yeah, amazing five-start stretch here. Four of those five starts, seven-plus innings. I just think I have a lot more confidence in him at this point. I I can't guarantee that all of those pitchers I have ranked behind him. In fact, I would, I would wager probably not the pitchers I have ranked behind him, him being as high as 16th now, will finish behind him. But I don't have a lot of confidence in any particular one ranked behind them to put them ahead of Wheeler. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying here. But yeah, I, I would still expect a mid three ZRA, a whip closer to 1.2 than one, and not much more than a strikeout per inning for Wheeler. So I think that's why I don't really think in the long run we're going to regard him as a top 15 type pitcher. But 
he certainly is deserving of more uh, of more faith than a lot of those guys in that same range right now. Yeah, and he's an accumulator, which there's nothing wrong with. I mean, there are pitchers ranked behind him that could easily be better on a per inning basis, but he just gives you so much volume. I mentioned, you know, how, how deep he is going into his starts, getting a ton of ground balls this year, uh, up to 47% on the ground ball rate. His swinging strike rate is a career high this year as well. So a uh, really nice season for Zach Wheeler. And let's just kind of lump them together with Hyunjin Ryu. It's, man, I just, I, I always want to give Ryu more credit than he gets because I feel like he's just so undervalued every season, Scott. And this time against mm-hmm. the Red Sox, seven shutout, seven strikeouts, zero walks, ERA down to 2.51, the whip down to 0.99. And he's kind of like Zach Wheeler. He doesn't go... I don't know that he goes as deep consistently as Wheeler does. No. But no. he's just, as long as he's healthy, he's just rock solid. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. But, you know, it's a big if. It, big if, as long as he's healthy. He has, you know, he, he made it 182 and two-thirds innings in 2019, but pretty checkered health history apart from that. So worth keeping in mind. But yeah, the ERA, like coming into this year, Ryu had, I think, the second lowest ERA of the past three years behind only Jacob deGrom. So of course, he's reliable when he's healthy. Would you look to sell high on him because of that past injury history? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't really think in that way, no. I. Yeah. I have him 17th in my rest of season starting pitcher rankings. So who are you getting by selling high? If you can turn him into, I don't know if this is realistic, but say that there is a Lucas Giolito fantasy manager out there, Scott, who has had enough. Would you make that yeah, swap? I mean, obviously, I have Giolito in my top 12 starting pitchers still. So yeah, yeah, I'd do that. But I think that's also fairly obvious. I don't think you need me to tell you that. <laughs> you can yep. just look at my rankings. Uh, Nolan Arenado has homered in four straight. He is now up to 10 home runs on the season. He is batting 307 with a 944 OPS. Uh, we've talked a lot about Arenado recently, and he has been uh, climbing up the third base ranks ever so slightly. Uh, it's a very stacked position up at the top, so it's, it, it, is, it is harder to move him. But I saw that you have... Chris Bryant ranked ahead of him, Scott. Uh, I made that swap as well. Uh, you have Arenado at seven. I have him at six at the third base position. The only difference is I moved DJ LeMahieu behind yeah. uh, Arenado. Were you contemplating making that swap? I was thinking hard about what to do with LeMahieu today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I've just kind of left him there, keeping the faith. Okay, we saw him follow up on that massive breakout. We saw him follow up on it last year. He bats lead off for the Yankees. Is it still going to work out? Well, quarter of the way through the season, my confidence in that is diminishing. I don't want him to plummet in the rankings, but should he go behind guys like Bregman, Devers, Bryant, Arenado? Could certainly make the case. I want to hold out just a little bit longer so that I don't look like a fool and have to move him right back. Let's talk about Nico Horner, Scott, who we talked about him a little bit on, I think it was... Monday's podcast as someone that you can add as a Corey Seager replacement. And he went three for four with three singles, two runs scored on Tuesday. He's still just 50% rostered. And I noticed he is ranked inside your top 15 second baseman now, rightfully so. It's again, it's a position that hasn't been great. Would you drop 
Any of these names for Horner, they are all rostered in more leagues than he is. Joey Wendell. Yes. Colton Wong. Yes. Nick Madrigal. Yes. Nick Senzel. Yes. All right. So <laughs> he's close to a must-add, basically. By the way, you mentioned it in the news and notes. Nick Senzel out with a knee issue. To, like, he's always. I want to get excited about Nick Senzel. I like the what some of the numbers look like this year, but he's just constantly out of the lineup. Like, they, I don't feel like I, I can't bring myself to pick him up because I know I couldn't start him. Yep, it's fair. It's fair criticism. Um, but yeah, I'm really into Horner. I think Horner's. I think Horner's uh, poised for a breakout season here. I think we were already seeing signs of it before he missed that time with the forearm injury. I'm glad he's come back here and had a three-hit game. To me, it shows no lingering effects from the injury, hopefully. And uh, I think he needs to be rostered in a lot more leagues. Mm -hmm. I I question the power, Scott. I don't know that we're going to get much from him, but the hit tool looks great thus far. Could provide batting average. Probably going to run a little bit. Give you some run scored as well. Um, He he hits a good amount of ground balls. So, Yeah. I think I think I could see Horner being a better version of Tommy Edmond, who, as I said, I just moved inside my top 10 second baseman. Yeah. So that, that's kind of what I'm envisioning Horner being. Double-digit home runs, potentially. A lot of extra base hits. 20, 25 steals or so. I, I could see him doing that. The last one I wanted to mention, Anthony DiScofani. He got his revenge at the Cincinnati Reds. Seven innings, one run. Two walks, seven strikeouts, 12 swinging strikes on 107 pitches. Desclafani has allowed one run or less in six of nine starts. The ERA is down to 2.03. The whip is down to 0.92. Getting more ground balls and swinging strikes than ever before, Scott. That is a recipe for success, something we look for often in a starting pitcher. Uh, I noticed you know, he's still ranked pretty low in our, in our pitcher ranks, but you know, at one point, do we start to buy into what we're seeing from him and, you know, prop him up in those rankings. Well, I feel like he's at a point in my pitcher rankings. 80th. That's pretty low. That's pretty low. Um, yeah, I mean, just ahead of him are guys like Alzali, who I'm hyping all the time. Herman Marquez, who certainly was drafted much higher than that. Uh, Rich Hill, who we just talked about being excited to add last week. Andrew Heaney, who keeps having these double-digit strikeout efforts when he's not allowing three home runs. Kikuchi. Like, that's that's kind of the same range Desclafani's in, and I feel like most of those guys I mentioned all have more upside than him. Yeah. But... It's a good point. Yeah. It's, it's a tough spot for him. If Desclafani can maintain a 55% ground ball rate, I mean, you, you mentioned it was higher than... Before. That's really high. That's yep. among the best ground ball pitchers in baseball if he could do that, and he's going to keep runs off the board. I don't know that he can maintain the strikeout rate. His XFIP, for what it's worth, is 371, which is not bad, but certainly uh, it certainly suggests he has room to go down from that 203 ERA. Uh, so that's that's kind of where I stand on Desclafani. I, I think he could be a solid mid-range option for you. Mm-hmm. It's been great. He's been one of the, those uh, starting pitchers that has been a pleasant surprise this year in that he's not necessarily in that glob that uh, Chris brought up yesterday. But he's, he's working his way towards it. We are going to take a quick break shortly. Uh, if you enjoyed the pod, please feel free to leave a five-star Apple Podcast rating. Much appreciated, uh, much appreciated. With a question in the review, we do have some APR questions here, Scott, that 
have been have been there for a little bit. So I thought we would just answer those real quick. And this one is a great trade from Sensei Ray W. Shallow Headset Categories League. I give Rafael Devers, Garrett Hampson, and Joe Musgrove. Receive Francisco Lindor, Yoan Moncada, and Kenta Maeda. Nah. Nah. I don't really see the justification for that. If we're redrafting today, I'm taking Devers ahead of Lindor. Yep. And um, Musgrove over Maeda, I would certainly have as well. So stick with what you got. Uh, if the trade has already gone down, what would you grade it? Uh, probably like a D. Mm, all right. This one's from Hugo Robinson. Would you trade Charlie Morton for Luis Castillo? Would I trade Morton for Castillo? No. I mean, that's easier to answer now than it would have been yesterday, but no. From Trill 3.0, currently looking to three-peat this season. Nice. The real question I have, one that I wonder every day, when do you guys record this thing? It's mm-hmm. it's up right when I wake up and recaps all the games. Are you nocturnal? Pretty close to it. Um, usually yeah. go, we go live on YouTube around midnight each night. Uh, later and later. <laughs> yeah. It, it, before we start every night, you know, Scott's like, Frank, you know, we got to get started. I'm like, I'm sorry, Scott. There's just so much information I'm trying to pack well, into well, the rundown. Well, see, kind of the backstory of this is I kind of forced this on everybody else. This wasn't, this wasn't like, uh, oh, you guys will be able to put the podcast out earlier. That that was just a kind of a, a good side effect, I guess. But basically, I, I was in a position for my childcare needs where I had to work at night. Mm-hmm. And so instead of doing the podcast in the morning like we used to always do, we now do it. We have to do it late enough at night that the games are mostly over, which yeah. is very late. So that's why <laughs> now now I've turned us all into uh, into night owls and... I feel bad about that sometimes. No, I, nonetheless, I, here we are. It is perfectly fine by me, Scott, because I am the furthest thing from a morning person. I, <laughs> it's, I sleep on the weekends to like eleven a. Like it's 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 bad, but uh, I'm not a morning person, so I, I actually I like recording later than uh, than early in the morning. This one's from Kyle C from Valpo, Roto League, but points. League size starting lineups. You keep up to 12 players, no keeper price, and keep them as long as you want. I'm in first and traded with the commish, who is in last by miles. I sent Luis Robert and John Means for Freddie Freeman and Tim Anderson. Great to trade. Robert and Means for Freeman and Anderson. Well, I mean, how am I supposed to grade a Robert trade? It's uh, it's a keeper league. Keeper yeah. considerations. Yeah. yeah, that's a good trade. I mean... I would say it's a A. Yeah, an A. I I don't know what Robert's going to be long-term, and clearly, I mean, even if Robert didn't get hurt, I would still think I'd want the Freeman-Anderson side. All right, this next one's from JBan12332. Grade the trade, six-by-six head-to-head categories with quality starts for pitchers and strikeouts for hitters. Give up Randy Arozarena and Marcus Stroman for Aaron Judge and Tyler Malley. We got this one last week before Aaron Judge went on an absolute tear, so I guess keep that in mind. But a Rosarena and yeah. Stroman for Judge and Malley. Yeah, that's easy. Yeah, that's a big, that's a that's an A A plus, Scott. Yeah. From, from Hammer and Hank, great to trade. I give Shohei Otani and Yermin Mercedes, who has catcher eligibility, for mm. Rafael Devers and Marcel Ozuna. I would give that trade. Hmm. Who wins the trade? Otani, that, might be, that might be pretty close to a C there. Otani is the best player in the deal. I would rank yep. them Otani, Devers, Ozuna, Mercedes. Yeah, and I think Mercedes is a distant last. Yes. 
So I, I probably the Devers Ozuna side comes out ahead. Yeah, I think, but not by much. I'll give it a C plus. C plus, exactly what I was thinking. Last one here, grade the trade from Mike was taken five by five head to head categories with OBP and quality starts. I gave up Whit Merrifield and Sandy Alcantara. I received Cattell Marte and Luis Castillo. Mm. I think that's. Mm. I feel like I would rather have both players he gave up than the ones he received. Yeah, not by much. Yeah, That looks like a C-minus trade. Yeah, it's close there. All right, we're going to hit a break, but when we return, some interesting potential ads. And the word interesting is kind of synonymous with deep potential ads here. But we'll do that next on Fantasy Baseball Today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Let's get things started with Tucker Davidson, Scott, from your Atlanta Braves. He made his season debut against the Mets, a Mets lineup that was uh, pretty barren, if we're being honest, but... Six innings pitched, three runs, five strikeouts. He had 15 swinging strikes on 72 pitches. He is only 7% rostered. Chris Bubich with the Royals up against the Brewers. Six shutout with four strikeouts. He is only 6% rostered. Corbin Martin mentioned his name earlier. He was at the Dodgers making his first start of the season. Five innings, three runs, six strikeouts. And he was cruising until that final inning. He gave up a two-run home run to Chris Taylor. I was watching this closely because I really like Corbin Martin. Uh, And then the last one, this is a real deep one. Cody Poteet from the Miami Marlins. He's made two starts. He's allowed just two earned runs over 10 innings pitched with nine strikeouts. So how would you rank these names, Scott? And what's your interest level? Uh, Tucker Davidson, Bubich, Corbin Martin, Cody Poteet. I don't have much interest at all in Martin and definitely not Poteet. Sorry, it sounds like you're a Martin guy, but I just don't see it. Uh, Davidson and Bubich are both pretty interesting. They're both rostered in less than 10% of leagues, so I don't know that I'm adding either in a standard mixed league, but I was impressed by Davidson's 15 swinging strikes on 72 pitches, and the slider looked really good, and I I watched most of that start. Better than I expected. The, The Braves may have something in him. Definitely want to see more, but his first two starts at AAA this year were also very good. Slider is a recent addition, pretty recent addition to his repertoire too. And so it's kind of like an Adbert Alzali situation where he was already a pretty good prospect and then he added, he introduced a new best pitch. So that's, that always makes things interesting. Bubich is, um, his ground ball rate is like 60% right now. And I understand what this was his first start, but it was his third straight appearance of five or more innings. So he had a couple long relief appearances in there. Basically starts. Uh, he allowed a combined five hits in those three appearances of five innings plus. A combined five hits. A lot of walks. Not really sure about that, but limiting hits by getting weak contact specifically on the ground. And that that is a formula for success. I'd rather him get a lot of strikeouts, too. I don't know that he's going to. His, he, he was a pretty good strikeout pitcher in the minors uh, with with the changeup especially. But 
we didn't see that really translate to the majors last year. The ground ball trick is new, though, so we'll see if he can keep that going. But right now, I'm, I'm kind of taking a wait-and-see approach to both Davidson and Bubich. We are on Spencer Turnbull no-hitter watch, and what just happened? All right, it was a fielder's choice. He is, I think he's one out away. Oh, my gosh. What <laughs> Spencer Turnbull, man, this is... Uh, the year of the injury, the year of the no-hitter. I am so apparently. rooting against this no-hitter. Uh, come on. What did, what did old Redbeard do to you, Scott? Come on, Mitch Hanniger. Send one out. He's up to 114 pitches. He has two outs in the ninth. I kind of <laughs> just want to do play-by-play of this game right now, but we'll, uh, we will come back to it. Scott, wh- why no love for Corbin Martin? He has really good minor league numbers, 2.54 ERA and a 1.06 whip in his minor league career. Uh, and he threw his fastball a bunch in this start, but I, it was it was decent against the Dodgers. Why no love? Well, we saw him make five starts for the Astros a couple years ago and didn't really show anything to get me excited. And he's 25 years old. And, you know, you say really good minor league numbers, but we're talking about, I don't know, 20, let me see here, 2019 or 2018 was his last season with a bunch of stats. And it was like right out of strikeout per inning, which isn't impressing me. I don't know. Why do you like him so much, Frank? It's just for the reasons you mentioned. I, I think the, the minor tables are turned. The, the minor league numbers are good. He's right around a strikeout per inning. He gets a decent oh, yeah, amount. No, I, I'm saying only a strikeout per inning. It's solid. If you're it's all, if you're only good. doing that against minor leaguers, like what are you doing for me? All right. Um, so I, I'm the high guy on, on Corbin Martin. A couple of people tweeted at me today asking if they should add him in dynasty leagues. I I think so. I. The Diamondbacks have a bunch of injuries right now, and seems like Mort, uh, Martin has an opportunity. Spencer Turnbull just threw a no hitter <laughs> in uh, in twenty twenty one. So, congrats to Spencer Turnbull. I mean, it took him like one hundred and twenty pitches. He's struck out Mitch Hanniger for the final out of the game. Uh, do you have any analysis that you would like to add on Spencer Turnbull, Scott? Would you drop Andrew Heaney for him, who put up another clunker on Tuesday? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> he did have 19 swinging strikes, Turnbull did. 12 of them were on his fastball. I don't know where that came from. The slider, we've seen him get some whiffs with that before. It's this got is, look, six. I'm not going to take anything away from Turnbull. The guy has shown some flashes at times, but this is just this is getting a little embarrassing, man. Wade Miley, Spencer Turnbull, I mean... All right, it was fun the one time Philip Humber threw either a no-hitter or, or complete game, uh, whatever, no-hitter or perfect game, but this isn't supposed to happen this often, man. This is No, uh, no, it's not. It's just it's just another week. We were uh, we were due for a no-hitter this week. It's so weird. Um, I'm sure I'm sure Spencer Turnbull and the whole Turnbull clan is thrilled and I'm happy for them. But uh, Spencer Turnbull is only 17% rostered in CBS League, Scott. What should that number be? I mean, his last star was great too. His ERA is down to 288. But we've seen him, you know, several years now. He's pretty mediocre and he was looking that way before these last two starts. So I'm highly skeptical. I'm, I'm probably more interested in Turnbull than I was at Wade Miley after his no hitter, but that's not saying much. I don't know. Did you answer this question already? Would you drop Andrew Heaney for him? I don't think I would. No. Uh, Turnbull is, so. if the scheduling is correct on CBS, in line for a two-star week next week against Cleveland mm. and the Yankees. Mm. So that adds mm. some 
they're both at home, which okay. Yeah. Camerica is. A, I mean, a look, I'm, I'm not a big Heaney guy, so yeah, I, I wouldn't be mad if you wanted to do it, particularly if you're trying to take, you're trying to maximize your number of starts there that you're getting in one week. Don't think there's there's much uh, staying power here with Turnbull. Some interesting potential ads on the hitter side of things. Let's talk about three Tampa Bay Rays. G-Man Choi hit his first home run of the season on Tuesday. He now has four hits in his first two games. He was batting third in the lineup in both of those games, and they were both against a right-handed pitcher. I don't think he's going to play against lefties. He's only 7% rostered. Yandy Diaz went two for five. He has nine hits over his last five games. Uh, He does not have a home run on the season because he has a 55% ground ball rate. And Mike Zanino, he had a double dong against the Baltimore Orioles. He's now up to 10 homers. He's averaging, interestingly enough, 2.6 fantasy points per game, which is tied for 10th among home uh, among catchers, basically because every one of his hits is a home run. So uh, G-Man Choi, Yandy Diaz, Mike Zanino. Scott, any interest? I mean, Zanino needs to be rostered in two catcher leagues. I assume he already is. Mm-hmm. I, for a while there, I was favoring Francisco Mejia over him. Uh, fortunately, one of my 15-team leagues, I was when Mejia got hurt, I was able to drop him for Zunino, and I see no reason to switch back. Puts the ball in the air a ton. Been hitting it hard enough this year that enough of those fly balls are traveling over the fence. So, uh, in the long run, I expect him to have an ER, uh, a batting average below 200 still, but hopefully with a lot of home runs. A few other hitters that popped on Tuesday. Alex Dickerson, he went 3-for-3. Three with his fourth home run of the season, hit that three-run homer off of Luis Castillo. He is 42% rostered, which actually seems high to me. I was surprised to see that number that high. Miguel Andujar went two for four with one RBI and two runs scored. He has started four of the last five games for the Yankees, and he has five hits during that span. He is 10% rostered. And then Odubel Herrera has 11 hits over his last seven games with one homer, one steal uh, during that span. Again, these are more deeper league options, Scott, but uh, Dickerson, Andujar, Odubel Herrera. I would, uh, of those, my favorite is probably probably Dickerson. But we know he's not going to play every day. Yeah, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not moved really by this group. Yeah, it's fair. I mean, Andujar, a couple of years ago, he had a great season for the Yankees, but, you know, he's kind of just been lounging around in the minors since then, and he doesn't really have a position. He's been playing the outfield for them, and they have some injuries. So if you play in a deeper league, Sure, you want some cheap exposure to the Yankees lineup. Uh, Miguel Andujar is that, but he's uh, once everyone's healthy, he's probably not going to be playing every day. Buy low or heck no. We'll do this quickly for some of these names. Scott, Lourdes Gurriel has four straight multi-hit games, and I think you know we're getting closer to that buy low window potentially closing. His yeah. career OPS by month, I noticed. In March and April, 576. In May, 685. In June, 1088. <laughs> Go get Lourdes Gurriel now. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's uh, one season is doing the heavy lifting there. And I know he happened to get really hot in the middle of that season. But uh, yeah, I mean, we've been calling him a buy low for a while now. He seems to be making us look good here. Hopefully, it's not too late. How about Eduardo Rodriguez, Scott, who was at the Blue Jays on Tuesday? He allowed 11 hits and five runs over five innings pitched, gave up nine hard hit balls. The ERA is 6.00 over his last four starts, but the underlying numbers are much better. 3.31 mm-hmm. expected ERA, 3.22 XFIP. Buy low or heck no on Eduardo Rodriguez? Yeah, I guess buy low. I was 
he'd, he'd been so yucky lately that I was kind of wondering if he's somebody to consider dropping. But I, I have a lot of faith in XFIP. If his XFIP says he should have an ERA pretty close to three, and the XERA backs it up, I don't have a lot of faith in XERA to to be predictive anyway. Um, but it, they both say he's deser- he deserves much better than he's gotten. So that counts for a lot with me. I think... Uh, the, the one ca- the, the one thing I'd caution there is that his walk rate is unusually low this year, which is certainly bolstering. Well, I'd, I'd imagine it's bolstering both those numbers. And uh, I'm not sure if he can sustain that. But even so, I think we deserve to... St- I, think, I think Rodriguez is worth sticking with a little longer. Yasmani Grandal is third in baseball with 34 walks. He is having such a weird season, Scott. He's batting 141. I think his OBP is over 350, but he hit his fifth home run of the season on Tuesday in May. I looked at his May numbers. He has an 80% fly ball rate in May. Buy low or heck no on Yasmani Grandal? I would buy low, in part because there just aren't enough good catchers, and, and there's a chance, particularly with the walking like he is, that if he gets hot and returns to being Grandal of old, I mean... Maybe he's a top five catcher rest of season. And I, I, I think you could buy low enough that you don't really, it doesn't really matter if he doesn't bounce back and if this is the beginning of the end for him. The last name is Jamison Tyone, who was at the Rangers on Tuesday. He allowed four earned runs over four and a third innings pitch. He has gone more than five innings in a start just once in eight tries this season. The ERA is up to 5.73. Like Eduardo Rodriguez, got the underlying numbers much better for Tyone, but we keep telling people to buy low, but the results are not coming for him. So what do you think? Buy they, low? They haven't yet. I, I still think they are. He's missing okay. a lot of bats. Uh, the advanced stats all like him. I, I think it. I think. Uh, I think eventually you're going to be happy happy with your investment in Tyone. And if somebody dropped him in one of my leagues, which I think is probably Probably more likely than me trading for him. But if that happened, I would gobble him up right away. Scott, what do we do with Patrick Corbin? He allowed three runs on eight hits over five innings pitched at the Cubs on Tuesday. He had 13 mm-hmm. swinging strikes on 87 pitches, which is actually a fair ratio. Uh, uh-huh. The fastball velocity came back down to earth. It you know was around 93 miles per hour last time out, and we got pretty yeah. excited about it. But it was it was fine for Corbin. It was it wasn't like 2020 Corbin, which was way down. I, I just feel like I keep flip-flopping. I, I Ultimately, no. I think that Patrick Corbin is nowhere close to the pitcher that he once was. And if he puts together oh. a stretch where he looks okay, I would still try to sell him if you can get something for him. That's that's my take. So I read this differently. I, I thought this was another encouraging start from Corbin. Obviously, the results weren't as good as the last one, but he the underlying stats, again, looked more like 2019, 2018, Patrick Corbin, then 2020 or early 2021, Patrick Corbin. Uh, of the 13 swinging strikes, nine were on the slider, which was his most used pitch again. That's the formula of success for Corbin. And uh, obviously, not every start is going to be a gym when he's doing that. That that was the case even in his good years. But I, I, I think coming off the start where we saw a big change in the effectiveness. And the fact that that mostly carried over to this start, even if the result was worse, I, I still think that's a good sign for Corbin, and I'd still be buying on him right now. All right, Scotty, buy low for me. Heck no on Patrick Corbin. Let's take a look at some of the West Coast action. 
a lot of West Coast games on uh, on Tuesday here. Ramon Laureano had a double dong. He's now up to 10 home runs. Kyle Tucker hit another home run. He is up to 10 home runs as well. Blake mm-hmm. Snell, we didn't really give out the final line there, Scott, but he did go six innings for the first time since, what is it, July of 2019. So what did you see from... Uh, from Blake Snell, how encouraged are you by this performance? Well, it was against the Rockies away from Coors Field. Yep. So I think you have to start there. But, you know, it was the best we've seen from Blake Snell this year, I think pretty clearly. Missed a lot of bats. We know he's capable of missing a lot of bats. I don't know that this really changes my opinion on him. I, I think I think he's been overrated for a couple years now. Obviously, he still has a good arsenal and can still have a really dominant start every now and then, but not efficient. It's obviously rare that he goes the minimum required for a quality start. I, I, I think uh, it's, it's, it's hard to justify starting him every week because of that. I think he's at best a second-tier pitcher and, and probably at this point more like a third-tier pitcher in my mind. Yeah, I benched him wherever I had him this week, and I told myself I wouldn't be mad if he had a good start. It was... Kind of similar to the Luis Castillo situation, not to the same extent, but one of those where I, I want to see him perform well on my bench. I won't be mad about it if he does. And then maybe you build off that confidence and, and you could start him for weeks to come. So Blake Snell finishes with 11 strikeouts to just one walk over six innings pitch against the Rockies. And that's the biggest key. It's the strikeout to walk ratio there. 16 swinging strikes on 90 seven pitches some bullpen updates for the Giants Jake McGee got his 11th save that was after Tyler Rogers got the last two saves but Tyler Rogers had worked four of the last five days for the Giants for the Braves Will Smith allowed a go-ahead home run to who who Tomas Nito in the ninth inning the ERA is 4.76 any concern for Will Smith Scott not really no I don't feel like his role's in jeopardy there aren't a lot of other places the Braves can go with that. He's just ha- going through a little bit of a rough patch here. For the Mets, Edwin Diaz got his seventh save. For the Cubs, Craig Kimbrell his eighth. For the Cardinals, Alex Reyes his twelfth. For the Royals, Josh Stallmont. They haven't had a save opportunity in a while. They had one over the weekend, but he had been used a couple of days in a row before that. They tried to go to Wade Davis. Didn't work out well. Uh, but Stallmont gets his fourth save. He's only 42% rostered, Scott. Should that number be higher? Yeah, I can understand why it's so low because just when it seemed like he was firming up the role, they did a silly thing and brought him in in the seventh inning of a game. That was early in May, and he was bad, and they haven't had a safe chance since. So we were kind of stuck on neutral there with Stallmont. But prior to this outing, him getting the save, I think he had finished like three or four games in a row, including back-to-back days. He closed out a four-run lead. So I, I think he's pretty firmly in that role still for the Royals, the closer role. All right, Scott. I'm going to bring smile to your face, I think. Okay. For Cleveland on Tuesday, Emmanuel Class A was not used for the save. James Karinczak got his fourth save of the season, the ERA down to 0.49. But mm. what was interesting about this was that Class A has only been used once over the past four days. So theoretically, he should have been available for this. I know he's been struggling with command recently, and the walks have been up for Class A. He's got a 1.00 ERA, but a 1.50 whip. 
could be nothing. It could be, all right, we're giving Class A a day off, you know, mental day, get right. But it's it's noteworthy, Scott. It is noteworthy. Uh-oh. I'm trying to do the Jack Nicholson gif I always use. <laughs> I think it's from Anger Management. He's like, yeah. That's one of the best. That is one of the best gifts. So. Yeah. That's that's my most used one probably. Um, yeah. I hope uh, I hope it's a changing of the guard because I think Karen Shaq's better than Class A. Actually, I think I'm more invested in Class A at this point because I was able to pick them up off waivers in a few leagues. So maybe I shouldn't be rooting against them. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, this is, it's weird. Like you said, I don't know if maybe, I would guess there was some reason Class A wasn't available, um, but maybe not. We'll just have to, I think we'll just have to wait and hear more. Let's wrap up with to stream or not to stream, Scott, and we will start with Wednesday. Do you remember who you told us to use on yesterday's podcast? Let's find out. Wade Miley versus the Giants, Garrett Richards at the Blue Jays, Brad Keller versus the Brewers, Tarek Skubal at the Mariners, Matt Shoemaker versus the White Sox, and Jake Arrieta versus the Nationals. Who did I say yesterday? I think I said Brad Keller, uh, Garrett Richards, Wade Miley. Though, Scoople, I mean, he might throw a no-hitter at Seattle. <laughs> you never know. You, you can never, never be know. sure. You never know. How about for Thursday? Dane Dunning versus the Yankees. Johnny Cueto, revenge. Eh, he's been away from the Reds for a while. But Johnny Cueto at Cincinnati. Drew Smiley versus the Pirates. Vince Velasquez versus the Marlins. Luis Garcia at Oakland. And Cole Irvin versus the Astros. Well, the wrong pitchers have the wrong matchups here. So... I mean, just in terms of who I think, how good I think the pitchers are. Um, Luis Garcia at Oakland, Cole Irvin against the Astros, man. That's a dangerous matchup. Sure is. I don't really love these, going to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're making me pick a third, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Vince Velasquez versus Miami. All right. For Scott and Frank, thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Thank you.